This is Baseball Across the Commonwealth, taking you to the great baseball towns around the great state of Virginia. Welcome to another edition of Baseball Across the Commonwealth, a limited series from Foulball area taking you to the great baseball towns around the state of Virginia. We've already visited Richmond and Charlottesville, and if you missed those episodes, you can check them out on our website at foulballarea.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, we're traveling further west on Interstate 64, heading north on I-81 when we get to Stanton, and getting off at exit 245 in Harrisonburg. Harrisonburg, known as the Friendly City, is a small city nestled in the heart of Virginia's Shenandoah Valley. Surrounded by mountains and beautiful landscapes that look like they're right out of a Bob Ross painting, the city is home to roughly 50,000 citizens. If it sounds like I'm talking very flattering about Harrisonburg, it might be because I was born and raised there. The earliest documentation of English exploration in the Harrisonburg area came in 1716, when Lieutenant Governor Alexander Spotswood led his Knights of the Golden Horseshoe expedition across the Blue Ridge Mountains and into the Shenandoah Valley. The city is named after Thomas Harrison, a settler who came to the valley in 1737. In 1779, Harrison deeded two and a half acres of his land for the construction of a courthouse. He deeded an additional 50 acres in 1780, laying the foundation of what is now downtown Harrisonburg. The city today is home to two institutions of higher learning, James Madison University and Eastern Mennonite University. The downtown area has seen a renaissance in recent years, which has led to the opening of numerous craft breweries, a craft cidery, and many local restaurants. To find out more about the beer scene in Harrisonburg, we head downtown to Wolf Street to talk with Jeff Moon of Restless Moons Brewing. Jeff, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today? Not too bad. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Looking forward to talking a little bit about Restless Moons. And I guess we'll just start off with how did you get started with the brewery in downtown Harrisonburg? Oh, man. I mean, um, that's, I guess, a, not, it's not a complicated question, but there's a backstory there. So uh, this place opened up in October of 2013 as Wolf Street Brewing, and that was under different ownership. Um, they were here for about two years, and then uh, at that point, they decided that they were looking to get out from underneath this particular location. And uh, my wife and I were in in search of an opportunity to get into the brewing industry. Uh, more myself than my wife, I guess I was kind of just dragging her along, but uh, that's something for another time. Um, anyway, so we found out that they were looking to sell this place. I came down, we were living in Northern Virginia at the time, so I, you know, quick drive over here, checked out the place, looked like it was about the right size for what we were looking to do, which was always something smaller scale, really just, um, some local fo focus brewery. And uh, we decided that wanted to make a life change and uh, uproot ourselves. And now we call Harrisonburg home. Like I said, before we started the interview, I'm originally from Harrisonburg, just moved out of the city uh, about three months ago. And so I remember when the, the craft beer industry really took off and all the breweries started opening around town. I remember when Wolf Street opened, of course, I was under 21 at the time, but my parents had been there a few times. And then you guys took over, rebranded as Restless Moons. And I've been there a few times since I turned 21. I've liked everything I've tried from there. I think it's a, a great setup, a, a great location. But Harrisonburg as a whole has just really seen a lot of growth in the craft beer industry in just the last decade, if not even more recent than that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think Virginia as a whole has really seen an explosion. I think it was in 2012 that they changed regulations so that you didn't have to have food on site. So that's one of the major reasons that we're seeing so many craft breweries pop up because 
you have to do a food operation on top of, you know, a manufacturing facility, it's much more difficult. But now that we don't have to worry so much about food, you know, people who really specialize in beer can be doing that. And Harrisonburg is no exception. So I think it was Brothers who opened seven years ago at this point, and they really started everything, unless you count Calhoun's and uh, Cali's. And that was that was way before we were down here. But now we have five breweries downtown and the cidery that just opened up around the corner from us. So it's a, it's a cool little town to be in. I see your menu behind you and I see you've still got your Marzen on tap. I, I appreciate that. That's my favorite type of beer. So okay. that you still you still have it going this late in November. I like that. Most of the breweries that I've seen are already shifting to their winter lagers and Christmas ales and that kind of stuff. But what is your your flagship beers or some of your favorites that you produce? Uh, well, we only really have one flagship, and that's our Pilsner, the Harrison Burger. So uh, great marketing there on the name for that one. Um, but other than that, we don't really do flagships. There are a couple of beers that will rebrew maybe once a year. Um, but for the most part, our shtick is really just the variety that we do and coming up with new stuff pretty constantly. We try to keep a new beer on tap at least once every week. And uh, like I said, very rarely revisit recipes that we've done just because it keeps things more exciting for, you know, me and my other brewer and uh, our customers were like, every time they come in, it's like, oh, I haven't even seen that before. And that's pretty much the experience you're going to get whenever you come in. How do you come up with the different styles of beer that you're going to brew when you're, you're brainstorming or whatever your process is? How do you decide on a certain style? Oh, man. I mean, um, Inspiration kind of comes from all over the place, to be honest. Usually what happens is we'll take a look at our tap list and see, you know, what's going to be tapping soon. What do we need to either replace the style that's missing or do we need to rebalance tap list since, you know, winter is coming. So we do need to shift a little bit darker. So as we take a look at what's tapping soon, do we need to replace it with a dark beer to get, you know, shifted more towards the dark side or is there some comparable style that we can replace? And from there, it's really whatever strikes us as exciting or interesting at the time. You know, sometimes we have a bad pun that we decide we should make into a beer or, you know, there's a lots of different inspirations from like food dishes that we come across. So it really just comes from all over the place. It's just, you know, whenever the opportunity strikes and uh, I wish we had a more formal process. It would make things a lot easier for planning, but that's not really how we operate. <laughs> So as someone who lives and works in Harrisonburg, what are your, some, of, some of your uh, favorite things to do around the city when you're not working? I mean, it'd be a lot easier to answer if it wasn't 2020 <laughs> and uh, yeah. I didn't have a one-year-old, you know, those two things together. I don't really get out so much anymore. Uh, but, you know, during normal times, um, it's, you know, it's hard to beat the outdoor activities we have around here. You know, there's kayaking, there's hiking. We're, you know, 30 minutes from the Shenandoah National Park and the George Washington National Park. So if you like hiking or mountain climbing or anything like that, plenty of opportunities to do that. Um, I know that you're a baseball focused podcast. And so not to push that too much, but when the summer rolls around, we love going out to some of the uh, local baseball games that we can catch. And, um, you know, pretty much just doing whatever we can to hang out outside is what we tend to focus on. Yeah, well, like you said, baseball is another big focus of this podcast. And so uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the local baseball opportunities in Harrisonburg. You have, of course, the Turks in the Valley Baseball League that played not too far from you guys in downtown Harrisonburg. Yeah, and they're then, like two blocks from us. Yeah, yeah, really close. And then the Rockingham County Baseball League, a local amateur league for anyone from high school to college to after college, guys that just want to play baseball. I mean, 
how big would you say baseball is in that area? I mean, it's certainly larger here than the presence for baseball in general is more than any city that I've lived in. I mean, I I spent my entire youth in Pittsburgh and we had the Pirates, which not to shit too much on the Pirates, but it was hard to get excited about them for the majority of my life. And then I lived in DC for six years and the Nationals, you know, that was the team that everyone focused on around there and they just won a national, you know, uh, World Series. So they've become bigger over the past couple of years. But since living here, you know, there's, like you mentioned, the Rockingham County Baseball League and there's the Turks and there's just so many different opportunities that you can go and catch a game and talk to people about baseball. It's, it's, uh, it's definitely a much bigger thing around here than I've been used to. And you told me that you are pretty familiar with the Clover Hill Bucks, a, a team in the RCBL. What do you like about going out to Buck Bowman Park and catching a game out there? Honestly, I love how just laid back and relaxed it is. I mean, we, you know, drive a truck out there and just sit in the backfield, out in the outfield and watch the game from there. And just lots of good friends that we've made going out to those games and catching up with them and then catching, you know, a baseball game is pretty great. Um, I I wish that we could have caught more this past summer, but, you know, extenuating circumstances made it difficult to do that. So let's say for, for the sake of this question, it's not COVID, it's, it's regular times, everything's open and normal. If you had someone, a, a friend or family member who was coming to visit Harrisonburg and had never been there before, what are some things that you would do that you would plan out a day for them to visit? Oh man, I mean, we're coming back to some of the things that we've already touched on. Um, usually I will take friends and family on tours of some of the uh, breweries and uh, now the cidery that have popped up in town just because that's, uh, that's what I do. So I think that's kind of what's expected when people come to visit me. And then I always try to take them out to the national park if they're outdoorsy people. We can either go on the river or do a hike up in the, uh, the national park. And then to be honest, when people come to town, I've taken them to a Clover Hill Bucks game, just because again, if you're looking for something to do in the evening, it's, it's easy. It's very reasonably priced and it's just a great time. Yeah. Great, great activity. Reasonably priced. Like you said, great family friendly outing at Clover Hill or any of the RCBO games, honestly, is it really is great. I have loved my time that I've spent around the RCBL the past couple of summers. So you obviously have your brewery, but like we've said, there are, multiple others in Harrisonburg and the new cidery that just opened. I missed that. I moved out before that ended up opening, but I don't know what the competition is like between you guys, but if you could say what is your, uh, or some of your favorite beers from the other breweries around Harrisonburg. Oh man. I mean, I don't know if I could name a favorite beer from other breweries. I mean, I'd, I'd like, what I really like about Harrisonburg is that uh, each of the breweries are all doing something a little bit different from each other. Um, you know, if you go to Brothers, you can get some um, some of the more classic craft beer styles, your pale ale, your standard IPA, some of your stouts. And so if you're looking for just like standard, well-crafted craft beer, Brothers is a great place to go. They also do really high ABV stouts really well. So if that's what you're looking for, great place to go. Pale Fire, they tend to specialize more in like their farmhouse stuff, and they do some really good IPAs over there as well. Um, Those are both nice because if you like anything that they have, they also distribute pretty widely. So it's pretty convenient that almost any place that we go, we can see some Pale Fire Brothers beer on tap and they're like, okay, I know I like that. I can grab that. 
And if you look at Three Notch, they have their location in Charlottesville, but out here, what I usually gravitate towards is some of their smaller batch stuff. They use these satellite locations for experimentation, and that's where you can get some of their like new, interesting, kind of out there ideas. So um, that's what I usually go for. And Friendly Fermenter, they're similar to us. They're even smaller than us, so they only make like two kegs at a time. So they're just constantly rotating through different stuff and just kind of off the wall ideas, which is, again, it's what we do where we try to experiment and do fun stuff. So it's nice to go and see, you know, what crazy stuff they've come up with. So since we are still in the middle of a, a pandemic for people that are coming to visit your, your brewery and your tap room, what are the policies right now? What can they expect when they come visit? I mean, our policies are the government mandated ones at the moment. So uh, everyone has to be six feet apart. We have all of our seating space six feet apart. When you're not seated, you do. We are requiring that you wear a mask and then we're cleaning surfaces as often as we can just to keep everybody safe. And as of this week, we have to stop. It's not serving alcohol. It's t at 10. It's that everyone has to be done drinking at 10. So that's like I said, new as of two days ago. And everyone's kind of getting adjusted to that and kind of educating some people who haven't seen the news about, sorry, normally we'd let you linger around a little bit, but you know, as of right now, gotta get going. Yeah, I'm sure that's definitely an adjustment. For people that wanna find out more about Restless Moons, where can they find some more information? You guys have social media, website, anything? Most up to date, it would be our social media. So we're uh, Restless Moons on Facebook and Instagram and a little bit on Twitter. I don't think anyone really uses Twitter for following us, but we're there if you really want to pay attention. And then uh, we are also www.restlessmoons.com. Try to keep that as up to date as we can as well, but lots of places to stay up to date on the internet. All right. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for giving me some time and talking to me about Restless Moons. I really appreciate it. And next time I'm in town, I'll be sure to stop by. Yeah, we're looking forward to seeing you. Thanks to Jeff for joining us and telling us a little bit more about the beer scene in Harrisonburg and about what's going on at Restless Moons Brewing. As we mentioned, there are plenty of other breweries in the area, including Palefire, Brothers, Friendly Fermenter, and a three-notch taproom. If you venture outside the city, you can find great brews at Cave Hill Farms in McAkeesville or Elkton Brewing in Elkton. If cider is more your thing, you can check out Sagebird Cider in downtown Harrisonburg or Old Hill in Timberville. No matter what you're in the mood for, the Harrisonburg-Rockingham area has something for you. Staying in downtown Harrisonburg for a minute, from Restless Moons we'll turn right onto Wolf Street, a left onto High Street, and head down to Veterans Memorial Park, home of the Harrisonburg Turks. The Turks, like the Tom Sox, who we talked to in Charlottesville, play in the Valley Baseball League. Every year they host players from all across the country for a 42-game season. The Turks are one of the oldest teams in the league, playing their first season in 1915. They've won 12 championships in their time, most recently in 2012. They currently play their home games at JMU's Veterans Memorial Park and are owned and coached by Bob Weiss. We caught up with Bob to talk about what makes the Turks such a big part of Harrisonburg life. Bob, thanks for joining me. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you. Thanks very much. So this episode is all focused on Harrisonburg and the local baseball and the local things to do in the Harrisonburg community. You, of course, are the owner of the Turks. so. Just tell me a little bit about, in your mind, what makes the Turks so great and such a big part of the Harrisonburg community? Well, what we do, we get free passes to the families, and uh, we also invite little league teams to, as our special guests to meet, you know, meet the players, take them on the field with them. It's a big deal for the little leaguers. Uh, uh, we do a lot of free clinics for um, people around Harrisonburg, and we have special nights 
baseball players down to the library to read to the younger kids. And it's really a big deal. I, th I think it's a big deal for the city of Harrisonburg to have the Turks in Harrisonburg. So this sounds like the you know the the team is pretty involved with the community of Harrisonburg. But for people that are visiting the city from out of town, how would they find out about the Turks if they wanted to come out to a ball game? Uh, I guess the only way would be through the newspaper or through the radio. Of one of the two, uh, we you know we put the schedule up on my marquee here at We Auto. You know when we're at home and so forth. But uh, that would be the only way I would know of either the radio or the newspaper. Do you know if you if you get many out of town visitors that, that end up coming to games, or if the uh, the uh, the fans are mostly local people that that are really familiar with the team? We get some people. Uh, from out of town, what we do with like uh, some of the motels, the hotels that support us, we'll leave like all 50 passes there for people that might want to come and spend the night in Harrisburg, might want to come to the game, and we just let them in free. Uh, but that, that's what we do, we just leave free passes at the motels, the hotels, with the people traveling through, and put a little sign you know, on the desk, hey, come to the ball game tonight or whatever. So you've obviously been involved with the Turks for a long time. How have you seen things change and grow over the years? Well, the things that have changed with the ball players are, uh, for number one, the college coaches are not sending out their top pitchers anymore. Uh, and if they do, they're on a pitch count where you know they might be here a week or two and then they're on the way home. For instance, last year we had the worst record that I've had since I've been coaching the Turks. And we got started off to a great start. We were, you know, like, I can't remember what we were, 8-3, eight, 8-4, eight, something like that. And then all of a sudden, we lost nine pitchers in one week. And, you know, in the summer, you, you cannot replace those guys. I mean, college coaches call them back, hey, he's thrown too many innings, so we're afraid he's going to hurt his arm. Uh, we're, we're calling him back home, Bob. And, you know, it really kills you because you – uh, you just don't have the pitching at the end of the season that you had to start the season. So uh, it's very, very frustrating, to be honest with you. So you guys play your home games at Veterans Memorial Park, the home of James Madison's baseball team. You used to play at the old Veterans Memorial Park. What was it like when you guys got the new stadium and started playing there? Well, it's, of course, it's a lot, lot better. Uh, we play on the turf field, of course, and you know, if it, it can rain all day long, and if it quits an hour before the game, we could, we're able to play the game before, you know, if it rained for two hours, we could not play it, the old vet. So uh, it's, it's been a big help. JMU's been wonderful to the Harrisburg Turks. What is the baseball like overall in the Valley League? How would you compare it to other leagues around the country? I think uh, the Valley League is probably... <coughs> I'm right on the limb and say this. I think the Valley League is the number two league in the whole country. Uh, of course, everyone, all of all boys want to go to the Cape League because you got the beach there. Uh, you know, they, they talk about, you know, the cities and so forth. And uh, most of you better ball players want to go to the Cape because you have the beach there, you have the girls, you have fun times, you know. Uh, in Virginia, we don't have that. So, you know, uh, if I was a young ball player and I was really a good ball player, I'd probably go to the Cape also. So when you're not busy with the, the Turks and baseball going on in the summer or any time throughout the year, what are some of the things around town, around Harrisonburg, that you like to do in your free time? Well, I guess Teresa and I, my wife, uh, she ha helps me with the Turks, of course. Uh, to me, she is the 
Church. I guess we get off Wee's Auto and uh, go home and watch Gunsmoke about 50 times <laughs> or go out to dinner or something like that. But those are the things we like to do. We like to go out and to dinner and, you know, go to a ball game here and there, basketball. I love JMU basketball. Uh, we go to all the girls' games, all the boys' games, and uh, it's just great. Uh, this course is coming new. It doesn't look like we'll be going to a lot of those because of the virus. But, uh, you know, we'll get back in a year or so. So hope everything clears up. All right, well, Bob, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it, and I hope you guys are able to have a season next year. We have a special double feature with the Turks for you guys on today's episode, as former Turks broadcaster Dave Norman was kind enough to join me to talk about his time in Harrisonburg and what the team means to the community. Dave Norman, the former broadcaster for the Harrisonburg Turks, is joining me now on the podcast. Dave, thanks for joining me. How are you doing today? Very good, very good. Good to hear from you, Matt. I know you're uh, doing, doing well, staying on the uh, baseball side of things. Yeah, so I appreciate you taking some time. I want to talk a little bit about the Harrisonburg Turks and your experience with them, why you would recommend that people go out to a Turks game. But I just want to start with, in your opinion, what do you think makes the Turks so great? Well, the Turks at this point have become one of those foundational things in the Valley and the city of Harrisonburg in particular. But um, I just think that they've done a great job. Uh, the current ownership is, you know, the Weiss family has just been amazing, you know, forging relationships in the community and just the outreach and the game day experience. Um, it's just been a terrific thing that you can count on summer after summer um, to have quality baseball, but also have an environment that is on par with minor league baseball. And you know that some of the players down there are going to play minor league baseball and try and make their way to the, to the big leagues. But uh, the caliber of play, the, the quality of the experience, uh, I mean, the Turks have just done a fantastic job, and even before Bob, the, the Jim Lyon Weaver era, and you look at the history of the Turks going back to the, uh, 1915, I think mean, it was, or 1922, something like that. I researched all of it for the Turks' uh, history side of things, but uh, just really an amazing legacy of um, just a connection with the community. So I've talked to Bob, but of course he is the coach, and he's busy during the games on the field, not really paying attention to everything going on around you have a different perspective. You were up in the press box. You could see everything on the field, see what was happening. From your perspective, what is the, the game day experience, the fan experience like at Turks games? Well, it's always, it always starts with a, a smile and a welcome to the ballpark, which is important in any kind of, uh, any kind of business. The most important uh, customer is the one standing right in front of you. And from the time you walk into the gate, and you're you're, uh, you're welcome to the ballpark, and you know you can. It's, it's the pace of it, obviously, is nice and slow to make your way to your seat. All that type of thing. See your friends there. It's just it's just good to see people come in. You know, I would always make sure I got to the ballpark early so I have some time before the pregame show to say hello to folks and go down and get get a little bit more of a skinny on what's going on with uh, with the Turks and sometimes. I'd leak over to the visitors' dugout, find out what's going on with them, and you know, see what their lineups are, and start to research and all of that. But uh, so much of it is about more than who wins the game that night. Um, but it's just something as as uh, things start to cool down on the summer nights, a great place to be. Uh, the atmosphere is great, the quality of baseball is great. So um, you know, those are the goals the Turks set out for, and they, you know, Teresa and Bob do a great job of uh, accomplishing that. I asked Bob this, but I want to get your perspective on it also. When when the team got to play in the new Veterans Memorial Park that JMU built, what was it like for you getting to sit in that new press box? 
oh my goodness, we had paid our dues in the old <laughs> at the old ballpark and even the, the, uh, the year over at uh, Long Field, Mock Stadium, the in-between year. But uh, the old press box was so small, it was basically um, a couple of, the side of a couple of stand-up showers side by side and had a glass front. And as the sun went down, you, you realize, well, I'm in a sauna here, aren't I? Because it was just so incredibly hot. It was so hot that sometimes you, you could also you just, you just laugh about it. It's just like, oh, my God, what is going on in here? But, uh, you know, Kurt Dudley, of course, the voice of the Turks, he was always all the way down to the right. He had the only window. Um, I was near the door on the other end. But uh, it was um, it was always interesting. The, the caliber of play was, was extremely good. Actually, you know, my first year was uh, 2002. And, you know, there's you know, about a four-year run in there where I mean, we had one year where 13 players drafted off of, uh, I think it was the 04 team or something like that. The caliber of play was just outstanding with the Turks and throughout the Valley League. But, um, you know, the old ballpark to the new ballpark was definitely going from the jalopy to the Cadillac. But we realized we paid our dues. It's like, doggone it, we deserve something good for once. <laughs> yeah, you sure did. You sure did. So the, the Valley Baseball League All-Star Game is held in Harrisonburg each year, and so you guys get to be around that game, see all the talent come into a central location in Harrisonburg, of course see all the Major League Scouts come in to, to watch the players. What is that experience like each year getting to, to host the All-Star Game? Well, being a host is, is extremely important, and the league made a great decision on making it to not only Harrisonburg Central geographically, but you also have really one of the plank owner franchises of Harrisonburg Turks to be able to continue their game day experience and extend that to the rest of the fans and, and all the major league contacts coming in. Um, it's definitely a, it's a, a, really a marriage of a lot of different things, the best facility, the best location, what I think is the best game day experience uh, spread over all of it. Um, you know, you've been involved to the point where you know that, um, you know, when it comes to the Turks press box staff and all of that, um, you know, we don't have an adversarial relationship with the other teams, so we roll out the red carpet. I always made sure that when I did interviews for the All-Star Game, I want to get each each team representative their, their shot at an interview. We do an extended amount of coverage. It is a Valley League day, but, you know, the Turks are really the ambassador for that. That's a Valley League day, so if you're, you know, Donna Settle of the Front Royal Cardinals, or Bruce Alger, you know, the commissioner and, you know, general manager at uh, Newmarket for a good long while, you want each of them to have their moments there on the premier day of the Valley League. Um, and all the, all the MLB types that are in there and all of that, you just want to make their situation as comfortable as possible so they can, you know, put eyes and stopwatches on the, on the players that they came to see. So I want to give you a little bit of a situation here. Let's say you're just walking in downtown Harrisonburg one day and you come across a, a group of people that are visiting from out of town and they ask you what they should do that night, what would be your pitch to get them to go to a Turks game? Well, in, in, a summer, in the summer in Harrisonburg, you know, I still think the streets roll up pretty quick. And I think Turks are a good destination to go to because you can either eat downtown and go to the ballpark or you can get something to eat at the ballpark. But, you know, you're going to get a nice cool down. Whether you like baseball or not, the atmosphere is great. Um, it's inexpensive. People forget how inexpensive it is compared to other, other entertainment choices. And a lot of times uh, you hear the same thing out of fans that they haven't made it to, ballpark, to the ballpark very often or not at all in Harrisonburg especially the ones downtown, I'm like, well, gosh, I really never, you know, I, I don't come to this side of town in the evening. They, they sort of discover it 
and then uh, then you know as, as time goes on, you know maybe while I'm getting ready in the pregame show, I'll see that person who you know saw their first Turks game early in the season. And they're coming back a few more times throughout the year, so it's a good process, and I think it's a good atmosphere to bring kids to um, because you know it's it's alcohol free, and you know you've got an opportunity to just uh, keep an eye on your kids, but also um, also just you know, not have such a constrained entertainment choice like in a, in a cooped up dark theater at a movie that they may not be able to take them to or any of that. Turks are the opposite of that. It's a real family atmosphere. Um, it's definitely something there that, um, you know, bang for the buck. I mean, in terms of entertainment, we're all looking for that, and I think the Turks have offered that for, for uh, many a decade. So as, as someone that's been around the Valley League for a long time and you've seen all of the different teams so many times. What is the overall feeling of the Valley League like, the the quality of play? What is it like in the Valley League? Well, the big change to me, and I, I know Bob would agree with this, is that there's so many summer leagues now that you've got a lot of dilution of talent. You know, you know, I mean, there's probably twice as many summer leagues as there was 15 or 20 years ago. So you have a lot of players um, who will not travel to you know, a premier league like like the Cape or the Valley or, or uh, Northwoods League or something like that, they'll just stay stay close to home because there's leagues near them now. Now that's a good thing, but it also really spreads out the talent. Um, and the one thing about the scouts is they would much rather you know park themselves in the Mid Atlantic or in you know the Cape Cod area or Northwoods League or, or some of the Florida leagues. They would rather park themselves in one place and see a lot of talent, it's become tougher on the scouts. And when they go to a place, they might have a league that where there's really only a dozen players that are on their radar, whereas it used to be they'd come here to the Valley League and there's 55, 60 players on their radar. So it's, it's become tougher for the scouts to see all the talent. And gauging the talent is also a, it's also a beauty contest. We're comparing this talent versus the talent they're facing. And when the concentration has been you know, spread out a little bit, it's hard to say. You know, someone here in the Valley Lake hitting 400, but he, you know, maybe he's a lot of Division three pitching or just some of the lower caliber pitching than it was previously. But um, so that's why in the early 2000s when I started doing it, I mean, you'd see the Turks were stocked with you know Arizona and you know Auburn and just big time Division one talent throughout the entire lineup. And there are a couple other teams in the Valley League were able to draw that kind of talent, you know, Stanton and Luray, things like that. But you just see less and less of that because there's just so many guys playing summer baseball now, and, and so many of them are not prospects and will never be prospects. So the league has become less of a prospect league. Um, to, to the individual in the stands that doesn't really know the game that well, I don't know that, it, I don't know that they understand that, but from a talent you know, evaluation standpoint, to me, it's, it's become very obvious, even though there's there's always a couple dozen really good players in the Valley League every year. All right, last one for you, Dave. I'm sure you've got a lot more free time in your summers now. What are some of your favorite things to do in the, the Harrisonburg area other than going to a Turks game? Well, I try and get outdoors as much as I can. I like to bike and like to kayak, take my dogs up to Switzer Lake. Uh, just get out as much as I can. So the outdoors is, is definitely what I'm into. Um, and my wife and I just purchased a home down on the bay, and we're going to be, you know, transferring that that kind of outdoor focus to that area. But um, yeah, just getting outdoors as much as I can. Um, 
pretty important. And you know, the whole the whole sports world has really changed. And for me to sit down and watch a ball game is, um, you know, from start to finish, professional sports probably not going to happen. I'm more likely to go over and watch a Clover Hill Bucks game, which is a couple miles from my house. All right, well, Dave, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. And hopefully next summer there will be some some Valley League baseball in the Harrisonburg and in the Valley again. Absolutely. It's a big it's a big void that needs to be filled. And I think that uh, sometimes you don't appreciate something until it's just suddenly uh, taken from you. Thanks to Bob and Dave for joining me and telling us a little bit more about the Harrisonburg Turks. Now, today's episode is mostly focused on the city of Harrisonburg, but there are small towns all around Rockingham County that have cultures all their own. One of the biggest parts of these small towns is their local baseball teams. The Rockingham County Baseball League bills itself as the oldest amateur league in the country. Founded in 1924, the league currently has eight teams, six of which are in Rockingham County. The league consists of local high school and college players, as well as adults who just want to play ball. To learn more about the RCBL, we talk with former commissioner Mike Bertner. Mike, thanks for joining me. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Matt. Thanks for having me. So I just want to start off with, of course, you are a former commissioner of the league, and you've been involved in the RCBL in plenty of different ways. What is your current relationship with the league? Uh, so my current relationship with the league is probably, I'm probably as far removed from the league as I've been in about 25 years. Uh, I don't have any official capacity with the league. But I do have a son and a stepson uh, who are now playing in the league for Newmarket Shocker. So that's I still go to a lot of games. Um, I still talk to a lot of people who are um, coaches and players in the league. So and of course I'm a fan. So I still have a pretty good idea about what's going on, even though I'm not in a leadership capacity. And you have been involved in plenty of different ways as a commissioner, a player, a coach. From your experience being around the league, this is kind of a, a broad question, might be tough to answer, but what makes the RCBL so great? Well, I think the history of the league is the first thing, just the fact that you know it's been around almost 100 years now. Um, there's just such a rich tradition with um, the, the ballparks and the teams, and you know, there's gener- multiple generations of players um, who've played in the league. Uh, the fans, there's such a close-knit relationship of, you know, the players with the fans. You know, a lot of times you go to a pro game, you don't know anyone that's playing. Well, you know, the fans that go to RCBL games, they know the players. Um, oftentimes they have, you know, no players on both the teams that are playing. So it's, I think there's one of the things that I've always thought is um, really neat is just the close relationship that the fans have with the players. What does the RCBL mean to, and of course there are plenty of teams around, not just Rockingham County, but Shenandoah and Augusta counties as well, so there's multiple communities involved in the league, but what does the RCBL mean to the general community of baseball in the the Shenandoah Valley? Well, I think it means a lot. Um, You know, I touched on the relationships that fans have with players, and then, you know, also just, you know, the communities, like, you know, people know that there's, you know, Buck Bowman Park and there's games going on. They know what all to expect. You know, they, they know that it's a, a great brand of baseball. Um, they know, you know, they're probably going to be able to get some pretty good food at the games. Uh, they know just the, the, um, the camaraderie of the, 
the players, with the fans. Um, it's just something special about the league that you don't see in a lot of, you know, you wouldn't see it in a professional league um, because the fans are oftentimes very far removed from the players and wouldn't know the players. Um, you see it, you might see it a little bit in the Valley League because, you know, they have like host families for the players, but it's just something special, the relationship between, I think, the fans and the players is, um, is what makes it great. I know that the the vast majority of the fans that go to RCBL games, like you said, they're from the community. They know the players. They're you know they're from the area. But if there are people that are from out of town and they want some entertainment on a summer night in the valley, what would be your pitch to convince them to come out to an RCBL game? Oh well, I mean, I think it'll be pretty easy. First, the quality of play, like. The quality of play in the RCBL, it's a good brand of baseball. I mean, it's especially this past year when they had, you know, an influx of talent because the Valley League and some other collegiate leagues um, don't play. I mean, I think first, just the, the quality of baseball. I mean, fans want to see a high caliber of baseball, and they definitely get that with the RCBL. Um, two, I just think, like, the atmosphere, um, you know, there's something. It's exciting. Um, it's the players, um, you know, that did team chemistry that a lot of the teams have developed. Um, they're just a close knit um, group of players, and they have, like I said, I keep touching on it, but like you know, the relationship with the fans that they have with the players, um, you know. And then you know, there are some other things like you know, I talk about. <laughs> right, I go back to the food again. And some of the ballparks have great foods. So you can get a lot, you know a lot of good things, um, you know, at a game between just the caliber of baseball, the atmosphere, um, the camaraderie, and then some of the other things going on with, like, the food. It's just a fun fun family atmosphere, I think, for, um, you know, residents of the Shenandoah Valley to enjoy over the summer. Do you ever, if you have friends or family from out of town that are visiting, do you ever take them out to games? I do sometimes. Uh, in fact, I had a close friend, Jay Solander, who used to play for me in the county league. Then he went on to be a assistant coach at JMU, and he's moved various places. And he got in touch with me um, over this past summer, and I hadn't seen him in years. He's like, let's meet at a Clover Hill game. Like, that's just where we decided to meet up um, just because, I mean, you know, what, what, a, what a better place to go, you know, catch a game and um, catch up, you know, um, and it was great, you know, um, so yeah, I absolutely would, um, you know, meet people at games, um, stuff like that, just cause it's a, you know, it's a great form of entertainment. Yeah, of course, of course. So obviously the baseball and the RCBL is a big deal and it's great and we love that, but what are some things that you like to do in your free time that's not taken up by baseball in the, the Harrisonburg, Rockingham County area? Oh, wow. Well, I think one of the things that my wife and I really like to do is uh, we like to go up to the Skyline Drive and go on hikes up there, um, you know, especially with, the, you know, the pandemic, you know, getting outdoors, um, you know, um, spending time up in the mountains. You know, we when, when you live in this area, I think you get, um, you know, you maybe don't appreciate you know, the mountains as much as, you know, someone who's lived somewhere where they don't have them, you know, it's, uh, so I, that's one thing, um, you know, getting up on Skyline Drive, enjoying the, 
the mountains, going for hikes, things like that. That's that's probably one of my favorite things, you know, to do um, outside of baseball. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a, a very popular answer. I talked to the the brewer at Restless Moons Brewing, and he said that hiking is one of his favorite activities. The the people that I talked to in Charlottesville said hiking, so it's definitely yeah. a, a very popular activity in this area. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and, and um, it seems like we've had kind of with the weather. Um, you know, there's still some leaves out there, and you can enjoy the the fall foliage. And it's like usually the trees would be bare by now, but I guess because we've had you know relatively warm weather and enough rainfall, there's still you know some uh, fall foliage to enjoy out there, even in mid late November. It's kind of unusual. So shifting back to the the RCBL for a couple more questions here, how have you seen the league change in recent years? Um, one of the things I've noticed is it's, and it may not be so much recent, it may be more gradually over time, but it's become um, a younger league. You know, when I first started um, playing in the early, mid-90s, um, you know, it had a little bit of a net reputation as an old man's league. You know, some of the, and it's not to say that the caliber of play was any um any less because it wasn't, you know, um, but there were a lot of guys back then that played, you know, well into their thirties, you know, even into their, you know, late thirties, early forties. And that was common. And it was a lot of the guys that were really good players in the league played a long time. Um, whereas now you look at the, you know, over the rosters of the teams in the league, and it seems to be a lot more younger players, a lot of, um, really good high school players, a lot of, college players um you know a few guys that are um, just out of college but i would say the average age of the player in the league is i would say significantly younger now than it was you know when i first became involved in the league about you know 25 or so years ago it's it's definitely um a little more appealing to i think a younger talented player than than it has been in years past Yeah, that's definitely a big change that I've noticed and that a lot of people have pointed out to me over the past couple of years. Another thing from an off-the-field, a more of a fan experience aspect, I've noticed a lot more kind of community involvement at the games, especially in terms of concessions. At Clover Hill games, they've had a Klein's ice cream truck there a couple times, or the Grotto's games, they have a food truck there from a local yeah. restaurant. And I think that's something really cool that teams have, have started to do that from the, the fan experience part of it. Yeah, that's true. You know, and they're, they're also getting um, game sponsors. Um, and I think when they're able to get um, more sponsors, that gives them a little more, um, you know, they don't have to run their own concession stand. To, and, you know, if you're running your own concession stand, you might not want to bring it you know, a food truck or another vendor to compete with, <laughs> to compete with you, because that might be, you know, a source of revenue that the team needs. Whereas, you know, now that they're getting, you know, if they're able to get more sponsors, then, you know, they can look at providing these, you know, um, um, other opportunities for, you know, vendors to come in. And yeah, I think they had like little Gus's at the, you know, food truck at the Grotto's games, which was really good. Um, you know, clients. I've seen I've seen clients at a couple of different ballparks actually, and it's always um, you know nice to have ice cream there. So it's probably not something that most most teams don't typically you know have ice cream in their uh, concession stand. So yeah, there's a lot of different um, and I, you know 
you know, I think that the local businesses see it as a good thing when they can, you know, because the crowds this year too, I mean, I helped coach the team at Grotto's um, for a couple of years and, you know, we'd be lucky to see 50 to 75 people there. And I was at games this summer where I know there was easily 250, 300 people there. So, you know, those types of things. Um, and, you know, from a sponsor standpoint, you're going, you're more likely to sponsor a game when you know there's going to be a lot of people there. So, and it just works out well for, you know, the team and the fans and everyone um, when you can offer those type of things. All right, well, Mike, thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate it, and looking forward to next summer. hope I'll be able to get out to some RCBL games again next season. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Me too. Thanks for having me, Matt. Thanks to Mike for telling us a little bit more about the RCBL. If you want to learn more about the league, you can visit its website at rcblbaseball.com or its social media channels on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. I'd highly recommend checking out a game if you're ever in the area. It's a perfect slice of small-town America. That's all for our visit to the friendly city and Rockingham County. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you learned something along the way. Join me next time as we travel south on Interstate 81 to Augusta County and chat with some of the local baseball teams and breweries in the area. For now, in Harrisonburg, I'm Matthew Atkins for Baseball Across the Commonwealth.